HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Heritage Radio Network Farm Report. It's Friday. Must be the Farm Report. You know it. You're here with Heather Hyman. And Lorenzo Reggineri. And we are joined with a special guest today, Erin Fairbanks. She's here in studio with us. Erin Fairbanks is visiting from Flying Pigs Farm to tell us a little bit about her experience working on farm or with the farm. And most importantly, about the farm camp program that they have going on for food professionals. So welcome to the show, Erin. Thanks. It's great to be here. We're happy to have you. Let's, let's not get in trouble. Let's thank our sponsor before we start the show, White Oak Pastures. White Oak Pastures, Ranchers Will of, Harris. Ranchers of uh, grass-fed cattle. In Bluffton, Georgia. So we're very happy that they're sponsoring the show for us today. Um, and uh, let's get into hearing a bit about what Erin does with Flying Pigs Farm, and then we'll get into the farm camps section of today's show. Cool. Well, I um, moved up to Shushan at the beginning of June. Uh, before that, I had been actually working as a cook in New York City. I worked at uh, Savoy, a job that Patrick from Heritage was instrumental. A, yeah, I in heard a funny me. story about that. You you had some experience working with Heritage Foods once upon a time. I did. I did. But way back in its like infant days, I. Um, was the the little girl from Michigan who moved to the big city and um, helped Patrick primarily with deliveries. Uh, it was a pretty pretty exciting. Every Wednesday, I would meet him down at the Naval Yards. Um, he made me wait for him on Myrtle Avenue, which I, I don't know if you know has quite a dangerous reputation, but at 7 in the morning was pretty benign. So we'd um, pop over to the Naval Yards and load up the... The U-Haul, right? The, the unrefrigerated U-Haul. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Things yeah, have since changed. They have definitely changed. And How yeah, did then you we link up with Patrick to begin with. Um, the other founder of Heritage Foods, Todd Wickstrom, was my boss in Michigan. I worked at Zingerman's Deli in Ann Arbor, Michigan, for about five years. World uh, famous Zingerman's. World famous. If I'm not yeah. Um, so Todd and Patrick, uh, I met Patrick when he came out to do some promotion for Heritage and talk about the Heritage turkeys, and then. 
decided, you know, I was in love with food and I wanted to dedicate my life to that work, but I didn't really know what that meant. But I knew New York City was like the place. the place to do it. So yeah, I packed my bags and borrowed my mom's Dodge Caravan and drove out. And um, yeah, I worked I worked for Heritage for about four months. So you guys were just making deliveries, and you decided you wanted to work in a restaurant. And then what happens? Did you deliver the meat and like get a job in the same day? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I was definitely huh. um, one of the like four female delivery people in New York City so I was the girl walking down Park Avenue with like a pig head and a plastic bag love it um and when we went into restaurants Patrick was really great he'd always introduced me to the chef you know this is Erin she worked at Zingerman she knows tons she's looking for work and I would kind of meekly smile because I was fresh off the boat from the Midwest and terrified of New York City (laughs) um and yeah I popped into Savoy and the sous chef there Howard Kalashnikov uh, was like, yeah, we're actually looking for someone. So I came in and, Whoa. Uh, you know, dropped the mixer of dough on the floor and oh, broke something no. and got hired magically. And <laughs> How long did it take you to uh, be able to pronounce his last name? Jeez. It was a little bit, but you know, <laughs> I worked, I actually worked with Howard. I've worked with Howard the entire time I was cooking. He was my sous chef at Savoy and he's now working as a sous chef at Gramercy Tavern. He's great. And I also noticed that those are two of the supporters of the farm camp program. Is, is that coincidence or did you, did you? Um, not coincidence so much as, I mean, I'm sure as you guys know, the New York food community, like the longer you're around, the smaller it kind of seems. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people doing great work, but you kind of run into the same faces. And I had great relationships with um, my boss, Peter Hoffman at Savoy and then Mike Anthony at Gramercy, um, Gramercy Tavern. Tavern. So when I decided, you know, when we were looking for feedback on Farm Camp, um, those, those people were... Those people who came to mind. Yeah, definitely. And also they were, had both been longtime customers of Flying Pig. So. Right, because one thing I was going to ask, I mean, because I know your involvement with Flying Pig, I mean, Peter, Savoy, I, Peter Hoffman at Savoy, they are some of the biggest supporters of local food in New York City, correct? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, did one thing lead to the next in terms of you working at these restaurants and then getting involved at the farm? How did you go from like back of the line to kind of like back to the farm? Well, when I was in Ann Arbor, I actually worked, um, you know, I woke up one day and looked around me and my, I had piles of books next to my bed, on my bed, and they were all cookbooks or food books. And I was like, all right, time to like let go of that dream to go to law school. That's not going to happen. And I was... Everyone's got to eat, sounds like, a, sounds like a nightmare to me. I know. I was like, why don't you be honest with yourself? Like, you want to work in food, and that's okay. So I actually talked to Todd a lot and spent a lot of time working on a, like, three-year vision oh, of my life. At Zingerman's, they're very big on, like, long-term planning and visioning, and so... I've seen some serious Excel spreadsheet flowcharts yeah. and all those fun things. Yeah, lots of graphs. <laughs> um, so... So working on that, I I kind of made the decision that I would go to New York City and cook for a year. I'd go work on a farm for a year, and then I'd do some type of um, nonprofit advocacy work around food. So So you're you're in phase three. I'm in kind of phase two and three, kind of turn into the same thing. Because food camp can be thought of as advocacy. Absolutely. Wow, so that's interesting. So by the time, so you've created like like your own post-grad curriculum. Yeah. Experience-based post-grad curriculum. That's genius. So by the time you're done with this phase three, you'll have understood basically every every level of the food infrastructure. That's that's my hope. That's my hope. I, you know, the, I was planning on only cooking for a year, but 
I also thought that a year I was like, I'll come to New York. I'll be a cook for a year. I'll master it. <laughs> and it did not take um, longer than a few hours mm-hmm. to realize that 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 was not going to be the case. And uh, so <laughs> I ended up cooking for about three and a half years. And um, I, I knew I want I knew when I moved here that it was important to me to work f- for a restaurant that, you know, source their ingredients responsibly. Um, and both Savoy and Gramercy Tavern are well known for their work in that area. Definitely. Um, both have been, you know, customers, I think, of Heritage and They're great Flying supporters, Pigs. for yeah. sure. Definitely. What does responsible sourcing mean to you? To me, it means that you have a, a relationship with the people that you're buying food from. So you, you know where it's coming from. You know the practices used to create it, whether that's, you know, growing animals or growing vegetables or producing olive oil. Um, I think uh, restaurants have a lot of buying power. They mm-hmm. ha- they're, you know, they act as tastemakers. We so, like the, the phrase, vote with your dollar. Exactly. You know, so I think... They also have, you know, the chefs have a lot of skill. You know, they have a palate, um, and they can, I think, use their power for good mm-hmm. or evil. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so I think by, for me, buying responsibly is knowing, knowing what's happening, you know, behind, behind the food. You know, you, you, the case of fennel shows up, like, where did it come from, and, and what were the practices used to create it? Because it didn't just appear out of nowhere. No way. So, I don't know, that, that's... Yeah. It's kind of funny. You could kind of relate, like, responsible buying in a sense to when, uh, you know, you're a young child and you you want to know where babies come from and you think they just come from the store. Exactly. It's like you want a chicken, you want a chicken breast or something and then make it so easy. It just comes from the store. It's but magic. really, it's not that easy. It comes from the farm. So exactly. Different it's, kind of farm in the case of babies, but a farm <laughs> But it, it's not something that should just be thought of in, like, that same kind of easy, like, elementary, like, you know, it comes in this, you know, perfect little package, and it's ready to go. So I think that's something that we all, like, are starting to really appreciate, and I guess the, the restaurants that you were working with, and you most certainly do on that understanding, of course. Yeah, so I think it was building on, building on wanting to learn more about that, that, like, food journey where food was coming from and what are the infrastructures or systems that are impacting like how food moves around and how people have access to it um so yeah that was I was gonna work for a cook work work as a cook and three and a half years went by and I kind of worked my way up and I realized that I didn't want any of the sous chef jobs that I had been offered and I didn't want to open my own place and I was like what's going on you know what am I doing and then I was like wait a minute I have a plan (laughs) I had a plan (laughs) um so I emailed Mike and Jen and I was like and Mike and Jen are the owners of Flying Flying Pig Pig Farm and they're in upstate New York right they're in upstate New York they're in Shushan New York which Shushan's not, you know, you can't check the city or town um, box for Shushan. It's like a hamlet, I think. Oh, There's so maybe. like if you tried the FedEx That's to a there. technical term, too, yeah. right? hamlet. Yeah, it's, New York State has these very strange, like, you're in a hamlet, in a city, in a town, all at once. Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really totally understand it, but it's tiny. Between mm-hmm. a village and a shire. Yeah, something, something like that. Like that. Um, so I had been up to the farm a few times before when I was working at Savoy. Um, Mike Yezzi, who's the uh, co-founder and owner of Flying Pigs, was doing deliveries there. So he would show up every Wednesday with the pig and I would kind of make small chat. And one day I was like, hey, can I come up to the farm? And he gave me this look like, you know, uh, 
okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I'd gone up, you know, and I spent like, I had the small town 4th of July, you know, the fireman's parade and the carnival and went down the river and hung out on the farm. I did that for two years. And then, so when I was thinking about, you know, what farm to move to, mm-hmm. they were kind of top up my list because... There, I'd been there before. I felt comfortable with them. They're, like, really involved. You know, they're more than just farmers. Jen works full-time for American Farmland Trust, mm-hmm. so she's a passionate advocate for farmland preservation. They were both the original founders of Farm to Chef Express, and um, I figured that it, they would be great people to learn from. So I moved up there at the beginning of June and kind of commenced to learn what it meant to be a pig farmer, um, the two guys I work with, uh, Andrew and Blake Pike, uh, are cousins from Vermont who do the majority of the day-to-day kind of farm work, making sure everyone's fed, has, you know, plenty of access to water, plenty of room to graze in. Um, we do rare breed heritage pigs raised on pasture. We also raise, uh, chickens for meat, and then we also raise lane hens, so, for the last three months, I've been spending my mornings kind of learning how to chase down a pig and take care of a chicken, figure out, like, by looking, is that chicken cold? Is it warm? Does it you have, an, you know, are there enough feeders in there? Is there enough water? Do you get to pick the eggs? Get to pick the eggs, which is definitely one of my the favorite things. Parts, I'm sure. It is. It is. Um, and, you know, just kind of learning about, like, how that basic, like, day-to-day life works and what are the things that are challenging and what are the things that are rewarding. Um, so I've been working on that up at the farm. And then also Mike and Jen had applied for a grant from the New York State Department of Ag and Markets in, I think, 2006. I, I looked at the original grant with Jen. She's like, hey, take a look at this program. Do you think, you know, cooks would be into this? And I was like, yeah. Well, you know, and that's farm camp. That's farm camp, yeah. Well, what's, for food professionals. For food professionals, thank you. Well, what's funny about this is it's, it's it's not backwards in the sense, but you know, you worked in the restaurant first, and then like you you go back to figure out where the food comes from. You know, it's like when you work in a restaurant before you can ever become really the general manager, you need to be the busboy. So we're kind of like um, as like you know this uh, growing like care for like sourcing our food you know humanely or in like the most responsible way possible almost moving backwards now because we've always been sourcing food but we may not have always been doing it in the most responsible way so you hear you guys come along with something for the food professionals who have already been cooking but they don't know where this food's come from so how did this this uh grant go from you know just an idea to changing what's happening with the you know um area surrounding new york city in that food scene Well, basically, the last three months, we've spent really kind of nailing down the specifics of the grant. So I've been meeting with farmers in the area, kind of learning about their operations so we can figure out, because I come from the background of cooking, I I think that I have a good idea of, like, what's interesting to cooks and, like, what are things that I know I found surprising on the farm or information that they've shared with me that, um, like, yeah, cooks want to know about this. So... Meeting with meeting with those farmers, like kind of getting together a schedule and then figuring out how it all was going to work. You know, what were we going to charge? Where were people going to sleep? And what kind of like what was the overarching experience that we wanted to the, them to have? Mm-hmm. And kind of comes down to the balance of two things. One is like taking the conversation about food beyond, you know, buying local. Buying local is great. Supporting your local farmers market, you know, developing relationships with your farmers. 
That's cool. And a lot of the people that I think are going to be interested in coming up to camp kind of know about that. So what are kind of the next steps in impacting change in agriculture and building like a secure mm-hmm. and vibrant food system? So looking at um, farmland preservation, looking at rare breed um, protection and how to you know grow and, and support marketing. and marketing. Exactly. And then also looking at food distribution, like how does food move around the state and well, infrastructure is like yeah. the biggest challenge. And I know we were speaking earlier about, you know, um, Heritage Foods had taken a few chefs to the farm um, back last last year and to Myrtle, Missouri and to our um, our slaughterhouse in Trimble, Missouri. And we kind of wanted to show them the whole process, you know, exactly where their pigs are coming from, who's butchering them and how they're being slaughtered. So you mentioned that there are both parts of those um aspects in your program right now but there's not necessarily a slaughterhouse right now you're just working with a butcher which means that you're only able to sell within new york state correct um not exactly we we actually we do a little bit of mail order and we sell we sell mail order nationally we work with a slaughter we we how it works at flying pig is on tuesdays we send the pigs to the butcher or Mm -hmm. to the slaughterhouse Mm -hmm. in hilltown and they slaughter the pigs for us and then Thursday morning, we go pick them up and we bring half the pigs back to our butcher who turns them into the retail cuts, the, mm-hmm. you know, the chops, the bacon, the sausages, and the other half stay as whole pigs that we bring down for our restaurant sales. And so the retail cuts, we sell both at the farmer's market here in New York City at mm-hmm. Union Square on Fridays and Saturdays and at Grand Army Plaza in Brooklyn mm-hmm. on Saturdays. And then we also offer things via mail order and that goes out all over the country. And our and so who's who's the person that's processing that's USDA inspected that's allowing for this to move across the country? It's not a USD inspected. The butcher shop is not a USD inspected facility right now. They op, Mike and Jen have their own license. Okay, that's owned by Flying Pig Farm. So essentially, when they open the cooler and pull out our pigs mm-hmm. at our butcher shop, which is Eagle Bridge Custom Meats mm-hmm. in Eagle Bridge, New York. Um, they are our employees for okay. that eight hour, 10 hour day while they're cutting our meat. Okay. So the rest of the stuff, the rest of the time when they're working with other, other people's food, they're, you know, they're, they're not, not employed, inspected, but, but during that time they're technically our so employees. So you guys kind of like have someone hired to do that inspection to allow for a mail. Yeah. It's like, a, it's, it's like a, twi- it's like 21, three C it's a special license. I'm not, I don't remember the exact. Right, because you were mentioning that soon there will be a slaughterhouse opening up that will allow this farm program, I guess, to even expand one step further. Exactly. Um, so that, like, that's the other aspect. So the the farm farm camp is going to balance those larger scale kind of talking issues, mm-hmm. where we'll bring in professionals in those areas to come in and talk with us about food distribu- distribution and farmland protection. The other aspect of the program is to really create an opportunity for people who are food professionals to have transformative hands-on experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that they'll bring back to the, to the exactly. To the with them, sure. Yeah. Collecting so, eggs, slaughtering their own chicken, visiting cheese caves, visiting our butcher shop. And then hopefully at that point, the slaughterhouse will be up and running and we'll be able to do that as that well. That'd be awesome. I so mean, it's like a spin on the agritourism model, but it's even maybe a little more hands-on and a little more, and it, it covers more aspects of the food processing system. Yeah, like 
basically with each farm we visit, we're trying to ask ourselves like what would she- what would a chef want to take away from this experience? What's going to be special about this to a cook mm-hmm. versus someone who is just coming in off the street? He's like, oh, you know, I like food. I like to buy at the farmer's market. Um, th- there's a great audience for that. But we chose to focus this program specifically for food professionals. So any aspect that we can get more hands on, then we can allow people to, you know, touch something or taste something or go even further behind the scenes or explore a particular component of that farm's work Mm -hmm. on a deeper level. So instead of just having a tour of the farm, we'll do a brief overview, but then we'll go really delve into a particular issue, whether that's like how milk gets priced and the impacts of pumping or pasteurization, you know, Mm -hmm. on the dairy industry. So we're going to go beyond the kind of facade of a farm tour. We're taking it a little deeper. And you end up, um, do you ever end up eating anything that was like killed that day? Um, you know, and the chefs, do they get a chance to cook for the farmers? How does that, does that happen? They slaughter their own chickens there, right? Well, some of the chefs will come on and slaughter their own chicken. That's the plan. So the program actually, it's, this is its first year. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start running sessions on September 20th. So right now we're just actually signing people up. Nice. We haven't had a full session yet. So Meaning you're not filled up? We're not. We, we have space in our sessions, and we also haven't run a session yet. Okay. So the, 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 the session on the 20th and the 21st will be our inaugural. Um, how can people um, find out? Is this only available to, to, to chefs, or is this available to food enthusiasts as well? It's available to people who are working professionally in the food world. Okay. So chefs, cooks, uh, wait managers. staff, managers, people who work in the retail aspects, we have a sommeliers. Mm-hmm, sommeliers. Um, I would love to get some, you know, people who are professionally brewing coffee to come. I think like that's a really under the the milk issue is really huge in New York State in particular right now, and it would be great to get people who are really exploring artisanal like single origin coffees to also have single origin milk. Wonderful. Um, well, maybe we can have you on the show with um, that's uh, being broadcast for the first time next Sunday. Um, the caffeine stream with Nicole Slavin. It's going to be a, a real like coffee enthusiast program, and uh, that would be great to you know kind of have you on with her too, and you know connect the dots there. Yeah, that's the the hope is that in addition to learning from what's going on at at camp, the places we're taking the the campers and the things that we're showing them, is that they'll also create. Uh, relationships and learn from each other so that we can look to build on knowledge that people bring into the camp and share that. So this trip, so what the chef might take away from this trip is also a relationship with certain farmers. So for these farms, it behooves them to <clears throat> to participate in this program because then they they might forge a bond. The, the chef sees their product. He says, you know, I want this product. Let's but I want it this way. way. Let's figure yeah. out a way to get it to my to the restaurant. You know, so it's a it's something that helps both the production, Absolutely. all sides of the production chain. Yeah, definitely. Like the the long term goal is that we'll sell more New York State produced food. You know that people will come up and they'll visit. You know, Maple Land Farms and they'll taste the maple syrup there and they'll be like, you know what, that's where I want to get my syrup from. Yeah, they'll have the milk at the Batten Kill Creamery. They have the chance to talk with. Seth is a fifth generation farmer. Appreciate it so much more. Absolutely. You want to support them. You want to give them a little more money for what they're doing to really, you know, explain to you why this is important to buy from them. I mean, and you have that physical memory of like why it why it costs more and why it's different. 
Definitely. It's very important. I think that's, uh, you know, very much in line with what Heritage Foods USA does just in our marketing plan. It's just a little different because not everyone gets a chance to come direct to the farm. So we give them as much information as possible, like on our website. Absolutely. And with the tracking numbers. And- yeah, traceability, yep. you know, all your profiles. So it sounds like uh, the the mission is definitely very much in line with like this whole overall, like making sure everyone knows where their food is coming from. And it's... Uh, Quite important. And this, and this, the popularity of the of the locavore movement and of people wanting to know where their food is coming from. I mean, do you think this accounts for the rise in popularity of agrotourism, which is a fairly new? I think partially, but I think the rise in agrotourism is farmers making a desperate grasp to hold on to their farms and their lifestyle. I think, you know. It's hard to make it as a farmer in in any in any aspect of farming, dairy farming, vegetable farming, meat farming. Everything's perishable. Everything, yeah, <laughs> everything is perishable. But I, I think looking at building in agritourism components is is a way that that farms are looking to you know sustain their existence. It's an extra stream of revenue for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, not like they're not always. They're doing the work anyway. So let's bring a few extra helping hands. And it's not even like you're having interns. You're having people that want to, I mean, you're having people pay to come help because they want to learn. And that's what's so special about it. And then they're coming back and they're telling the rest of the people on the line, um, I had this experience. This is where our food's coming from. Why don't you guys try going next weekend? I mean, do you have like, re, you know, visitors from the same restaurant? Like, you know, that's what I'm hoping for. You know, like I said, this is our first year running the program. So we're definitely learning a lot all through the way, you know, and not exactly sure what to expect. Uh, hoping for like a great response and definitely have, you know, people signing up and things are happening. And we'll just kind of keep learning and ho- hopefully be able to kind of continue the program into the future. And and is there a reason why right now it's only open to food professionals? I mean, do you think it's because you're, you're in your beginning stages and then maybe it's you'll designed go? for them. It's, it's, a, it's a little more, it's, it would be like having someone who just wants to go for a hike, go on a nose trip. It's a, it's, it's a little more involved than just what the average, average agritourist might want, right? Well, I think the, the intent is to make it more involved. Not to say that it wouldn't be interesting or accessible to someone who wasn't a food professional. But, you know, we are, we are you know, paying the farms we tour a small, like, stipend for sharing their time with us. But they're busy people, mm-hmm. you know, and having 15 people show up at your farm for an hour and a half, two hours that you you know, have to stop and do work, you know, that's, that's a thing. And we, so we want it to be compelling both for our farmers and for the people who are visiting. So So we need to get the visitors doing more chores. (laughs) Well, visitors doing chores, what, what would be great is, is, is more the focus on, you know, forging relationships that turn into, you know, orders for our farmers where they're like, man, Ben, from Garden of Spice, like your chickens are beautiful. You taught me how to slaughter a chicken. Yeah. That was crazy. I never thought I would get to do that. And now they talk every week and yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And I guess you wouldn't get the same kind of volume from like just like, you know, a home chef who loves the fact that they get to visit you at the market. They wouldn't be placing orders for like the same type of volume as a restaurant would. So right now it's not really beneficial, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's just it's just not what we chose to focus on this yeah. year. I mean, it, it would be a great problem mm-hmm. if we had so much demand that we had to create a whole separate program. That would be great. Um, but yeah, we we chose to limit it to food professionals because we really wanted that particular 
experience for them with each other and then w- with the relationships that they're building with the farms. Um, now, how can can you give us a website or a way for some of our chefs that listen to this uh, program to get in touch with you to sign up? Yeah, absolutely. The website is uh, www.farmcampnewyork.com. And it kind of gives you an overview of what to expect from the day on the farm, talks about some of the farms that we're going to be working working with. There's some names that I think if you've been working in the New York City food scene for a while, you recognize um, Batten Kill Valley Creamery, Consider Bardwell, mm-hmm. um, Dancing Ew, mm-hmm. Garden of Spice, uh, Mapeland Farms. We have um, a really kind of solid list of, of people and hopefully... As uh, if, as a program is successful, we'll be able to add more farmers to that list. And are you all to disclose the price here? It's only 150 bucks, right? Yeah, it's a hu- $149. $149. $149, so no excuses for people. There are no excuses. That was We really wanted to focus on keeping the price as low as possible. I was really surprised. I actually yeah. expected something. Even if the restaurant owner doesn't want to pay, that chef should be paying. We want we to... It was important to us that, you know, I came... I came to the farm after working on the line, and unfortunately, you know, line cooks, you just don't make a ton of money, and to have, you know, take two days away from work, to be up doing an intensive two days of, like, learning and... For your work. <laughs> and, you know, that that's a lot to ask of someone, and we think that they're getting a real value for that, and... It should I, be mandatory for all high-end New York City restaurants. I think, well, that's I think time I on the farm, like, yeah. You know, the busboy for your manager... I mean, it's the it's, management should pay for it because it makes the it makes their chefs bake better. It makes their servers more well informed, and at least a better food. I mean, I know personally as a cook, the the chicken or the pork products that I'm cooking with on the farm, after you spend time with that live animal, I mean, you come back to the kitchen different. You pay more attention. You are more creative with using all components. You're not going to waste it. You're not going to like be inattentive. Not to say that cooks are, but it just reinforces all those things that lead to great food. And I had the same experience when when I... should be its motto. (laughs) Reinforcing the things that lead to great food. (laughs) Definitely. Well, you know, I mean, it was my first time ever seeing a a pig get slaughtered in, in Trimble, Missouri at Paradise Soccer Meats. And when I watched them clean out the head, I was like, wow. I'm really going to be able to appreciate this so much more. And I went back and I started trying testa and head cheese and really realizing like how beautiful it is, the way that they're cleaning the animal. And it's every part. I mean, this was on the farm that I was just at two days earlier, alive and coming up to me and not being scared of me. And here it is now. And it's ready to be broken up and yeah. hung in the cooler. But... I'm going to go home and I'm going to appreciate those pig ears in my salad a lot more than I ever thought I would. Absolutely. I think that's why we we use the word transformative because I think there's just no excuse for like, there's no substitute for time on the farm. There's no substitute for actually, you know, putting your hands on the animals to seeing what it takes to keep them going and to just being exposed to what that lifestyle looks like. I think it informs your thinking about food in a really powerful way. I would agree. Um, I think we're going to get ready to wrap it up here. So if there was any like, closing remarks or anything that you wanted to say that you haven't had a chance to, um, this no is pressure. your, this is your know, time. Right? <laughs> Not, you know, in case we missed anything. Um, I think just to reiterate, the, the website is www.farmcampnewyork.com and that 
The other reason that the price is so low is we received a very generous grant from the New York State Department of Ag and Markets. They do a lot of great work to support farmers and definitely deserve our support. And So check them out and check this show out on our archives at www.heritageradionetwork.com. We want to thank our sponsor today, White Oak Pastures, our fabulous engineer, Nat Wiener, our amazing hostess, Heather Hyman, and our lovely guest, Erin. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll see you again. 